Hello and welcome to the Empowered, Sensitive and Creative Podcast. My name is Rim. I'm an artist, a certified life coach and an NLP practitioner and the creator of the Empowered, Sensitive and Creative Retreats. Passionate about celebrating joy and beauty in the everyday, especially when things are falling apart, I'm insatiably curious about human nature into the world with reverence, awe and a sense of wonder. Tune in for stories exploring healing through creativity, art, embracing sensitivity and navigating the subconscious mind. I'll talk about the struggles that highly sensitive and creative people face and share my experiences, insights and favorite tools along the way. I'm here to empower you to turn what we often deem to be a curse into your biggest gift. I believe that the more we create together, the more we heal the world. So let's dive in! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered, Sensitive and Creative Podcast. I'm so happy and grateful for you tuning in and I'm going to talk about burnout today and how to heal and recover from burnout. I can say that burnout is something that I've experienced many times and I think many highly sensitive people experience burnout at some point in their lives and maybe it's not full blown out burnout but on the verge of burnout I think it's uh, quite unfortunately quite common amongst very sensitive people because we are prone to overwhelm more than the average person. It doesn't mean that only highly sensitive people get burnt out and overwhelm, of course not. But just because highly sensitive people have a um, more sensitive uh, more sensitive nervous system, then it means that all the informations we receive get more intense. Receive and perceive. And... <laughs> It's funny because just as I'm starting to recording this podcast episode, my one of my neighbors started to mourn his lawn and <laughs> the sound is quite quite strong, so I hope I hope it's not going to disturb you. So um overwhelm and burnout are not the same things, but from my experience and to my opinion, uh, too much overwhelm can lead to burnout. And I think sometimes we are overwhelmed, but we are even not conscious we are overwhelmed, especially when we've been in that state for a long time. And then that, you know, that it kind of it's became part of who we are, of it became part of our experience, of our life experience. So first I'm going to talk about this overwhelm. So how to how to know if you're overwhelmed? Uh, if you have a sensation of heaviness, shortness of breath, constriction inside your body, or feeling as if you were drowning and you find yourself gasping for air, this one is really big for me. When there is too much going on, I do feel this sensation of drowning. When things keep accumulating on your head and shoulders and it looks like it's never ending, it things like things feel heavy. Or when everything seems too much and you can't seem to be able to process anything. Then you can also feel fatigued and drained, feeling tense, quick to snap. Other people's moods affect you more than usual as well. I know that for me... <laughs> 
<laughs> some days it's too much and I feel like snapping when it's not only when it, uh, when things are too much is when I'm 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 tired already and I have a lot of things going on and I didn't ta- I didn't pay I didn't take care of myself well enough and then I I could snap I know this happens to me uh, also you may be tempted to quit everything or to engage in numbing activities like binge watching binge watching TV or show over snacking mindlessly over drinking alcohol having trouble focusing on what you're doing uh, or what others are saying to you I think it's also when you start obsessing over small things and you get irritated by these little things or you panic at the idea of taking a decision I think this is a big one <laughs> amongst HSP a lot like the idea of taking a decision becomes like um, a life sentence suddenly it becomes a huge thing so that's because your system nervous like if you feel like this you're not alone if you don't if you're not aware if you don't know that you're a highly sensitive person you may be you may be one if this happens quite often to you if you feel like this quite often uh, you might be a sensitive person uh, because again our system nervous is more sensitive so it gets frazzled more easily than for the rest of the population and for me in my experience I think I've been overwhelmed a lot in the past and I can still get overwhelmed but now I come to realize the symptoms and address them and I also also learn to prevent them as much as I can but of course sometimes <laughs> I'm only human so sometimes I just veer off track and I go back to my previous tendencies and I but then I know Okay, if I keep going like this, I will end up in a burnout. Um, so <laughs> what I mean is, um, I think, yeah, if you if you tend to go too much on overwhelmed, uh, overwhelmed more, then keep going, but keep going and not take time to stop, not take the time to pause, then overwhelm can get into a burnout. And um, signs of burnout are usually when you have a deep sense of failure and a lot of self-doubt, but more self-doubt than the average you know like highly sensitive people we tend to have like naturally we doubt ourselves i'm not saying all of us all the time of course not but there's this notion of questioning what we think or what we want or what we perceive and trying to find many possibilities or many options for one dilemma but when you're burnout burnt out it's more like you (laughs) doubt about everything and even the obvious things it becomes blurry (laughs) and there's this feeling of helplessness being trapped and defeated like nothing will work anyway there's nothing i can do about it and then you can become detached and feeling alone in the world like anywhere nobody can understand nobody can relate to you and maybe everybody else is um, moving on with their life except you. You are stuck. You're like totally stuck. Um, losing motivation. Not being interested with doing things. It's like also this, yeah, what's the point anyway? Uh, and that also can mean becoming increasingly cynical and having a negative outlook on things. Seeing more the negative things and um, forgetting that there are solutions for any problem. 
thinking that, okay, maybe now it's hard and it's going to be hard forever. I, I see it as being like being in a tunnel and not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And of course, this also goes with um, not feeling satisfied about anything in your life, not being satisfied with yourself, uh, feeling like a failure, not accomplishing anything, and really fatigued and drained. Um, so that's quite, quite intense, quite uh, exhausting for the system, for the nervous system. And for our body as well. And for me, that turned... I think I, I many times I had a burnout. A burnout, I tried to kind of avoid the idea of having a burnout. I thought burnout arrives to other people, not to me. <laughs> and it actually became so intense that it turned into depression. Once I was totally depressed, then I could not not see that I had been burning out the whole time. And depression um, meant for me feeling like I want to isolate from anybody else, like not only I'm alone and people cannot relate to me or these kind of things happen only to me, but I even don't want to share it with others. I think they cannot understand me. I Just the idea of talking to others is too much. Um, there were some days then where like, even the idea of <laughs> getting dressed in the morning or go and get a shower was utterly exhausting. It was really hard. I could not bring myself to do it. It took me hours <laughs> and hours of, uh, I want to say procrastinating, but it's not really procrastinating because when you burnt out and depressed, really... <laughs> It's more than procrastinating. It's much deeper than that. I think it's a totally lack of energy or an ability to do the things uh, that you want to do. It's a big, like, what's the point anyway? It's uh, Everything seemed so absurd, at least for me. Um, yeah, I had this big feeling of sadness and hopelessness and... seeing, only thinking about the failures, only thinking about the mistakes, only thinking about how things are unfair or how things are tough and even losing joy for the little things. Feeling like living, just living, simply living was too much. And at some point, it was becoming a big loop, you know, of... Uh, disappointment after disappointment, sadness, all of this, what I just described. And I, I thought maybe I'm having a mental breakdown because my thoughts were non-stop looping into my head, these negative thoughts. It's really heavy. It's very exhausting. And I thought like maybe I'm going crazy because <laughs> I'm, I felt like how can I get out of this loop? How can I get out of this tunnel? It's, it's funny because I... <laughs> I didn't realize, like I didn't know I was a workaholic, but I think I was. 
And it's interesting because I was so worried that I would be the lazy one when I was a kid and growing up. Uh, I was so, I think, <laughs> yeah, I got shamed for, for that, for thinking I would be the la- that I was lazy, that I was impatient, that I was um, not working hard enough or not reasonable enough, not professional enough. All of these I already talked about in the previous podcast episode, but I think it's a big topic. Uh, it was it's definitely a big topic for me and I, as I see around me also a big topic for other sensitive people because many sensitive people want to do the right thing and tend to be perfectionist and want to do things really well and people they want people to be happy about them and that was my case and I didn't want to disappoint I didn't want to disappoint others, but I didn't want to disappoint myself or the idea that I had of myself. So I definitely, I was definitely working hard. And as I also said in the previous episodes, I had this big dream of working in fashion. So for me, it was like, I have to do whatever it takes. I mean, not accepting the horrible, like some horrible things, but I have got to do it. I don't want to not do it. Like if I don't, work hard I will uh, I will lose my dreams I will not live that dream if I don't find a way to make it work yeah if I don't find a way to make it work and yes I think this is great to find ways to make things work like our dreams work but there are different ways than this uh, workaholism thing and hustling and trying to prove yourself like when you do things out of that it's not a good energy and uh, there is a very Good quote by Julia Cameron, uh, which I love. And she says, workaholism, like all addictions, blocks creative energy. Which is exactly that. If you create, if you try to create uh, from something, zoom, workaholism, for example, here, you, it cannot flow. It's, a, it's, a, it's an addiction. And an addiction is... Uh, is a way to 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 bypass your own power. We think we use it. We think we are addicted because we that is going to help us. That the the substance or the whatever thing we are addicted to will will help us. But actually, it's not true. Uh, it disempowers us. And disempowerment is not really. It's not at all an expensive energy. So anyway, to go back to the topic of, of burning out, what I did uh, and that I think many people do is we try to deny, for a long time we deny it. And that's why burnout out can be really intense and it can take a while to recover. It's because we tend to wait a long time before we finally accept it. It's it's interesting how overwhelm um, is a kind of a loop. It's like a never-ending loop. If we don't accept it, if we refuse to see it, it's like by trying to avoid overwhelm, it's actually making it bigger. Um, which is why this strategy of away from moving away from something doesn't work. It may may work for something else, but for overwhelm and burnout, it doesn't work. Uh, 
Because in that case, when you're trying to avoid this, when you're trying to avoid overwhelm, your unconscious mind gets the message that you're trying to escape from danger. And in that case, it makes you even more stressed. Why? Because this kind of energy stress uh, helps when you are in danger. You know, short, intense bouts of energy will help you to get to a safe place. But when it's applied to a lifestyle goal, <laughs> which is long-term, you know, your life, your well-being, uh, it's a long-term thing. This kind of, uh, of strategy runs out quickly and gets really stressful because you're actually never really running away f- from real danger. So it's like your nervous system, your brain is sending again this um, message and therefore you, you remain in this constant state of anxiety because you are carrying around your mental image of what you want to get away from and instead of actually getting away from it you actually reinforce it which is uh, the vicious effect of it yes it becomes a vicious circle really so there are different ways uh, that shows up and um I did all of them, (laughs) for sure. And you will probably recognize yourself as well in in, uh, one one or two of these scenarios. Um, There is overdoing. I call it the if only I could do more technique. And that's a very dangerous zone. Uh, It can very, very easily, very fast lead to burnout. This is when you tie your self-worth to your performance and busyness. And that means that you're probably trying to avoid your emotions and real feelings. And that's definitely something I was doing all these years I was working in fashion. I could not... uh, I could not accept (laughs) that I would do something else in that because I had built my identity. I grew up with this dream of becoming a fashion designer. So I did tie my identity to that. I I tied my identity to working in fashion. (laughs) Uh, So when I was working in fashion and I was not satisfied with the conditions, it was really hard for me to distance myself from it and not take things personally. And... I had this energy of I want to prove it, I want to do it, I want to I want to make it. And maybe if I work harder, if I work more, I will I will make it. It will happen or I will be happy, things will get better. Finally I will reach the next level. And <laughs> actually this is workaholism. <laughs> Because it's like trying to fill a void of trying to find your your worth, trying to feel fulfilled by the amount of work you provide, by the amount of work you do, which is not related to you as a person. It's to what you do and how much you do. It's an addiction. And I, I love this quote by Julia Cameron, the author of The Artist Way. She says, workaholism, like all addictions, blocks creative energy which is uh, really true 
and so constricting constricting energy it closes the valves it closes it blocks the flow um, it's disempowering addiction is uh, disempowering even though we might think they are not very often we think oh I'm gonna have a glass of wine and I will feel better or I will find uh, <laughs> I will eat I will drink coffee I will feel better or I will eat a piece of chocolate I will feel better I will work a bit more and then I'll feel better uh, <laughs> no that's not how we can really create authentically and distance ourselves from what we do. Um, I remember when I was really overwhelmed and on the brink of burning out. I used to, like the, only, the evening when I was going back home, my nervous, my nervous system was so frazzled. I had been working so much so late that I could not branch out from it. Uh, my, my thoughts were still racing about all the works that was left to be done and how whoever and whatever will um, process stuff and how what will they say, how they will react and until very late at night and the only thing which I thought I could do <laughs> to, to numb myself or to stop my thoughts, to calm down, was to drink. And of course, I started, oh, I'm going to have one glass of wine. And this ended up with two glasses and then three glasses. And then, well, you know, wine doesn't stay good very long. Once the bottle is open, I might as well have a bit more. Um, <laughs> that was also only feeding the vicious circle of exhaustion and stress. Another way uh, we try, we can move away from overwhelm is like trying to deny it. Like, I will not, I will not procrastinate. I will not be stressed. I will not work for too long. I won't let anything distract me. So I would be very efficient at work. I would just do this, this and that. <laughs> that can show up like, you know, making lists and trying to time yourself for me, it's like also trying to yeah, try this Pomodoro technique. I think it can work for some people, but for me, it doesn't. Sometimes it does, but most of the time it doesn't because it stresses me. Because it's also for me this energy of controlling my time, controlling things, and tying my well being to how efficient I can be. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that doesn't work. That leads to more stress. And then uh, apathy, the I don't know technique, then you become, in that one, you become paralyzed by overwhelm. You choose to revert to inaction because you really, it's just too much and you feel like everything is going to be is so important that every step you take, every choice you have to make, every decision is like a life sentence. And therefore, of course, this is too much. It's too much to handle. And it's like you shut down. And that's an energy of... Uh, it's an energy of, of resistance as well. Uh, doubt and fear, not trusting.
this is um, this is something that a lot of perfectionists struggle with. I, I will probably was probably do another episode just about perfectionism, but in the meantime, uh, I would suggest you to listen to the Perfectionist Project by Sam Laura Brown. I <laughs> this podcast really helped me a lot actually to understand and to realize I was a perfectionist because before I didn't know I thought I was messy and <laughs> and carefree and then I realized oh no <laughs> I'm trying to control and I'm definitely a perfectionist and so when we use when we adopt these strategies they, they don't work we might think they work and maybe they give us at the beginning because they give us this idea of controlling, try to control the overwhelm, the stress, the anxiety. It, it makes us feel like we are moving forward, that it makes us feel that we are being strong. Uh, but that's, that's not true. That's actually give us much more frustration, much more emotional turmoil, much more anxiety. And then this leads to... Um, Frustration, self-loathing, shame, anger, I think also judgment and desperation. Like a never-ending loop. And then burned out. At some point, you just your, your body cannot handle it anymore and you just shut down. Crack. That's it. Our emotions can, can spiral downward and things seem so painful. And then, then what's the point? For me, that's what it was. At some point, I just couldn't do it anymore. Just waking up in the morning seemed so difficult. I, I had to put my alarm clock on snooze so many times. And um, to, I had to fight to get up. Um, then when I finally got up, I procrastinated. I spent a lot of time having my breakfast. <laughs> Uh, I really took my time. I procrastinated getting into the shower, getting ready. <laughs> and then finally, when I was ready, of course, always late, then just the idea of getting out of the door would take me... I had to bargain with myself. It would take me a lot of energy. Um, the, the, the path, the commute to work seemed like really heavy and never-ending and... I felt like I have to master all my energy to move my limbs one after the other to arrive to my workplace. And then, of course, once at work, I could feel this. Uh, just arriving in the office, I could feel this sense of of um, dread in my stomach and in my heart. I could feel my energy constricting and everything so heavy and like my stomach would sink really heavy and uh, difficult to focus like checking my watch every, every minute to see if the day was almost ending and and then the same going back home exhausted and and all of that <laughs> rinse repeat rinse repeat um and of course it's really it's really easy to get really dark and really get negative ideas in this condition and at that time, I remember what I finally found. I thought, okay, I need to survive. I cannot quit right now. So in the meantime, I remember during my lunch break, I was watching some YouTube videos about uh, some destinations I would love to go. 
so to give me hope you know that okay maybe that's where I would like to go next and I remember that time I was dreaming of living in Bali for example so I was watching videos about how is life in Bali or how is uh, life whatever or you know just watching some beautiful sceneries and imagining myself there already helped me to feel better and then after that like I would do this the, the half the first half of the lunch break and then the second half I would force myself to walk take a walk outside and if my energy was really low I would listen to a podcast or listen to a hypnosis so that I I would uh, it would help me you know like the energy of the music or of the voice would help me to momentarily to stop negative stuff draining me and give me uplifting energy to move. And the more I did that, the easier it got, days after days after days. And there are many other ways that I discovered um, along the way. But before I dive into that, I want to I wanna explain a bit more my understanding of why we stay in this overwhelm in this stress in this uh, and why we wait until we reach burnout and even when we reach burnout we often stay in the burnout um, before stopping before taking a break and yes sure sometimes we don't have the choice sometimes we cannot just quit the, the job we have right away for sure and actually this was my case I could not even though I really wanted to um, so I totally understand if you're in this situation, but still often we <laughs> try to avoid or to wait to come to the conclusion that I'm, yes, I must change, I must address the situation. This is not for me, this is not working anymore. And I think it's because deep down we have this fear of not being good enough. And we think that we have to keep proving ourselves or that we that somehow being super overwhelmed being burned out would make us being less than what we are being less worthy less lovable that somehow it means we are weak broken failures and this is so not true it has nothing to do with it actually this is shame, this is uh, guilt and shame and fear. And these are all, I mean, they are real emotions, of course, but they are not saying that we are wrong. They are just, they are just emotions. Emotions are not who we are. The thing is, our ego wants recognition and protection from social ostracism so our ego is trying to protect us actually it's a it's a kind of a survival <laughs> mechanism but it's it's an unhealthy survival mechanism which is actually doesn't help us and i, I mean yes maybe survive but we don't want to survive we want to thrive and the only way to overcome this fear of not belonging, of not being good enough, of being weak, is to to do to to go through it, to exam examine it, to look at it, and actually address 
the the foundation of it of why uh, we think this why do we believe this because what's natural for us human beings is to actually feel this inner sense of well-being that is not dependent of other factors it should not be it's like how hard you work whether others like you others your bosses approve of you how much money you make how big is your house it has nothing to do with who you are and it's possible to feel good without that like of course if you have all of that that's perfect that's great but having like running after this without really have a strong foundation of who you are it will not help you will always have this uh, feel of overwhelm feeling like you're dog paddling or like the hamster the <laughs> riding cycling really fast on the wheel trying to catch up with the rest of the tribe catch up catch up catch up to society catch up to try to, to prove something i want to do more i need to do more but no uh, it's like the opposite for me i would say the opposite of overwhelm and burnout is is flow creative flow alignment um to feel fulfilled like to know that what you're doing is enough knowing that you don't need to prove anything it's when you feel good inside your body when the energy is expanding as opposed to before when i said like oh you hard you feel like you hard or your stomach is sinking uh, and all of that no it's more like when you feel this flow within you energy flowing uh, you feel lighter so the first step for me was to accept it to accept and see the truth okay rim you're getting overwhelmed way too often you have you're having another burnout yes another burnout so there is something going on here instead of trying to suppress this i began to witness it uh, to accept that i was super overwhelmed to accept that i was burnt out and it was quite hard uh, because yes initially i was feeling a bit i think the first the first few days i was happy to accept it because i did <laughs> i must confess i did feel some joy and pleasure in thinking i was the victim oh look at what they did to me and they are so horrible and all of that so this was the first phase for me <laughs> I'm a victim and yes I think it's important to acknowledge when you've been a victim when you've been ill-treated it's really important it's healing that's the first step not not it's like like this you stop feeling guilty and thinking that you should have done things in a better way or that you made mistakes no people were gaslighting you uh, people were abusing abusive abusing you people were being toxic and unreasonable and I think that's important. But then after that, uh, it doesn't change that you feel really tired and fatigued and drained. So for me, the next step was to learn how to love myself despite 
not being able to love the situation. And for that, I had to develop patience, which was not easy. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm re- I, was, I was lucky because I was able to leave a few months later and to take some time for a break. Uh, so I, I totally understand that this is a chance and it's not something that everybody can do. Uh, but if you can, I would definitely recommend to take a, a pause and take a break and rest because burnout is serious. It takes time to it takes time to recover. Um, I think taking the time and taking a break will help to give you the strong foundation to feel safe. Why feeling safe? Because as we like I said a bit earlier that like when you try to keep running and try to keep proving things and doing 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 and moving away from the stress you kind of uh, send this uh, you send your unconscious into freeze or flight response your nervous system into freeze or flight response so it's really important to feel safe so that your nervous system feels safe and therefore you can be more serene and accept things with um sorry not accept but um apprehending uh, with a clear mind without being activated. You can respond instead of reacting. And taking a break also is a great way to distance from society's conditioning because in the workplace, it's really hard when you are being the only one being conscious of that and trying to uh, take a different approach and then you see everyone around you still hustling and busting and, and there's this kind of um, atmosphere of anxi- high anxiety in the air and if you're very sensitive it's really hard not to feel it but anyway the tools I will share now you can still adopt them whenever you can it doesn't need to take days and weeks and, and hours uh, a little goes a long way. So how to bring a sense of safety? Uh, you've probably heard this many times. It's regulating your nervous system. But what does it mean exactly? Well, the first thing is to take a break. As soon as you start to find your breathing constricted and your thoughts looping in your head, take a break. Focus on your breathing for, for a bit, for a few seconds, for a minute, for two minutes if you can even better. Long, deep abdominal breathing is your best ally on these situations. Um, for me, learning to breathe was really instrumental into feeling better and i still do this these days like the other day <laughs> i was a bit stressed uh for many for different reasons but i i was driving and suddenly i thought okay rim how is your breathing why oh, it's so shallow so constricted okay breathe and you know nobody you don't need to do it this very loudly so you can do it in a very discreet way just make sure your exhalation is longer than your inhalation. 
And then after that, once you've done that, so you take a break, you breathe slowly and deeply, and then you feel your feelings. It's really important. Like trying to let go of control. Um, because like emotions are like big stormy waves washing over us. And yes, we might think we're going to drown. But actually, if we do like the surfer, we the surfer goes with the floor. And it, yeah, maybe the, the like the wave will bring the surfer at the bottom of the of the sea of the ocean, but then they will rise again with a, with a wave. Whereas if the surfer tries to go against the wave, they are they are sure to lose. They are sure to drown because the wave is always stronger. It's the same with the emotions. So. Exerting compassion and allowing yourself to feel is really big. It really helps. And I think it's really important there to take like a detective hat instead of judging the emotion or judging ourselves for having the emotion. is learning to be curious and be like a detective and inquire like, why am I feeling this? How does it look like and why how does it feel like and why I'm feeling this? What is the information here? And then remember that within you there's a little child. <laughs> you still have your inner child and like what would you say to a little child feeling that emotion? You would probably not, most probably not berate a child and tell tell the child why you should be ashamed to be angry. You should be ashamed to be stressed. Of course not. Um, so for me, a, lo a long part of my healing uh, process was this. And I thought I was, uh, I've always thought that, oh my God, I'm, I'm in touch with my emotion because I'm a very uh, introvert. Not that I'm a very introvert, but I'm quite introvert. And I've always been, you know, loving having conversation about deep things and deep feelings but actually <laughs> yeah when it's conversation that's okay but with myself I was not really going so deep uh, I tried so many times to avoid my emotions because they were so heavy and so intense and that's not easy when you haven't learned how to do that as a child and most of us haven't learned so I think yeah it's really important to this one is the one thing <laughs> That's um, a game changer. <laughs> and then the next thing is using our senses. Go back to our senses. And I know it might seem like, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, okay, yeah, of course I do hear and I feel and I smell and I <laughs> taste and okay, the, gr <laughs> the grass is green and... <laughs> And the, the the sun is is um is bright. Thank you, Rim. That's a very naive and Pollyanna. I'm not expecting this to change my life. <laughs> and um, what I've got to say here, well, you know, very often the medicine is much simpler, more simple than what we think. So often we think that we we're, we're trying to search for the big life-changing tool that is going to make a difference in five minutes 
with um, a bit of magic wand and abracadabra. My burnt out is healed. I'm no longer overwhelmed. I will never feel stress and anxiety ever again. But that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> the magic is into coming back to ourselves or coming back into alignment again and again and again and again. So yes, it's the little things that can really make a difference because it's compounded. And it's amazing because it's not, it's not, it's free. These little things like having access to our senses is free. Anybody can do it. Anybody can tune to their senses. And which is even more amazing is that as a sensitive person, as a high, especially if you're a highly sensitive person, you're already naturally much more tuned to your sense, to your senses. So instead of seeing it as a curse, as in, well, the reason why I'm overwhelmed is because my senses um, feel too much or perceive too much. How, like, I, I found for me the key was shifting from that approach to, oh, yes, yes, it can get overloading for sure. But at the same time, it means that if I rely on these senses and choose to see and perceive and hear and smell, <laughs> The beauty of the world if I use it as my ally if I use my senses as, um, as my allies then it will make sense that I'm a highly sensitive person because I don't think we were created highly sensitive people for no reason at all there's a reason it can become a gift and when you think about it using our senses is how we first gather information about the world around us as babies, even before we are born, in our mom's bellies, we already, our first interactions with the world is through our senses. So why do we, why do we detach from that when we're growing up? You know, just like breathing, yeah, it's something very simple, but it's really instrumental into our well-being. It's the same with our senses. And then there is the sixth sense, our intuition relies heavily on our fifth senses. That's because that's how we perceive, that's the information uh, we gather. That's the information our brain and mind gather from the world. And why is it important to be aware or pay attention to what our brain receives as information? It's because only 20% of our life is directed by our conscious mind. Yes, only 20%. And 80% is controlled, between brackets, by our subconscious, unconscious mind. It's, it's another way to say subconscious. So it's amazing. It's incredible. There is so much that is um, that happens in our life or that we do, that the way we behave, that actually we have no idea that it's, uh, we, we don't really know why, consciously speaking. And the thing about the subconscious, which is really important to know, is that your subconscious wants to serve and protect you. Even the, when the objective result of what it does is harmful. It believes it's doing it for your own greater good. Which is why, like when I said earlier, when you want to 
like a strategy to avoid overwhelm is to keep going, to ignore and be avoidant, then our, our brain is actually sending us the signal of danger and therefore sending more stress, a stress, more stress, a stress reaction. That's because the subconscious wants to protect you. It thinks that you are in danger. Um, and if you don't give it specific instructions, it will take orders from elsewhere. Family, society, conditioning, social media, media, social media advertising, and so on. Which is why it's super important to be aware of our subconscious um, beliefs. Because otherwise, we might actually follow, we might be following other people's beliefs. Um, which is not good for us. But that's how it is most of the time. Another thing to know about the unconscious mind is that it works with feelings, senses, images and metaphors rather than logic, words and abstract concepts. So you see, you can see why it's so important to be aware and to tune in to your feelings and your senses um, and your creativity because images and metaphors, it's a creative language. And then it relies on intensity and repetition, which is why it takes time to rewire, reprogram um, the subconscious. It, it doesn't mean that it has, has to take a long time, but it means it needs the, the new, the change needs to be repeated, which is why I also, like I said a bit earlier, like, oh, <laughs> so often we think that it's going to be a life-changing thing. It is life-changing, but you need to keep repeating it. It's the same, like when you want to get fit, you don't think you go to the gym once and that's it. You become, you're strong, you, you have all your muscles developed and so on. No, it's, it takes time and it's a process. You need to keep going back at it. When you stop training, when you stop working out, well, <laughs> your muscles lose their strength. So it's the same with the unconscious mind. So let's go back to how to connect, how to tune to your senses and how, how can you do it. I, I will share how I did it. Uh, I was lucky that I was able to take a break and when I had my last burned out I was in Shenzhen in South China it was a warm weather it was summer so what I did I was still work I mean at the beginning I was still working but I took on the I kept the habit afterwards is to get up with the sun set so sorry <laughs> sunrise <laughs> uh, getting up with the sunrise and like just watching it breathing slowly sitting down watching the sunrise soaking in that was already i was like oh my god it feels so good it's one of the most beautiful things i can see on earth and it's amazing because every day the sun will rise again <laughs> yes it's a simple thing but you have no idea <laughs> if you don't try if you haven't tried how good it feels and how reassuring it is to remind yourself that it doesn't matter, no matter what happens today, tomorrow the sun will rise will rise again and it's going to be beautiful again and again and again. And it's different every day, which is so magical about sunrises. 
it's it's different every day and then you know seeing the light changing and getting warmer and lighter and more yellow and then hearing the birds singing that was so healing and what i was doing at the time is uh, i had my little ritual so i was watching the sunrise and then um i was doing uh, some a little bit of yoga a little bit of uh, breathing breath work and then meditation either meditation either hypnosis it depend of the, depended of the day and then i would uh, start drawing a little bit like uh, doodling i was still quite anxious at that time so i didn't allow myself to draw freely to like to really draw i started with doodles and also writing my affirmations i found that for me very visual person so like connecting connecting to aesthetically aesthetical things was really important so what i did is i started to choose or to think of info, inf, information that I wanted to believe and put them in my doodles and in my drawings to make it like a mini a mini artwork and while I was doing this I had my I made chocolate raw chocolate with almond milk and it was nice I was having this on my terrace on my balcony and that was my special moment just for me before the madness of the day so I would say like the advice I could give is like how can you make your morning a little bit special for you the first the first um the first few minutes or the first hour of your day can you dedicate it to yourself to your well-being connect to you connect to your senses and to your creativity and you will see like if you can do that you will uh, you will hear your already a sense of serenity creep getting in getting through you and while it might not last for the whole day it's already a big step for feeling better other ways to tune to your senses is okay i think that's i think what's going to be helpful is if i divide it if i kind of uh, go through each sense and give you some tips for each each sense so for me what worked great was to include movement every day uh like starting with a bit of stretching doing some yoga if you like yoga uh, i like yoga but i don't like doing it every day so i kind of mixed it up i was in china and i did learn a bit of qigong and tai chi so i was alternating with some yoga tai chi and qigong and some days just putting some really joyful music and dancing to the tune of it i when i feel down and low i like to listen to funk and disco <laughs> and uh, just put the music and try to dance around and by the time like after five minutes the first minutes are sometimes difficult but then after five minutes ten minutes i have a lot of energy and then i would run around and then include some more like gymnastic or working out exercises you know like doing some squats or lunges doing a bit of push-ups and everything because i would have been pumped up by the by the dancing and music um also like i used to go at that time i was going to work by walk so at least i knew i could, I could be moving a bit and also i would say like if you can go by walk or go by public transport try to include some work take some breaks and move from your from your seat and do a few minutes of walking after lunch it helps also for digestion so it's great and like whenever you can make sure to move some days you can move more some days you can move little it's okay but at least do a little bit of movement um, because shaking <coughs> sorry shaking 
oh my god <clears throat> shaking increases blood flow to the skin and it's a great way to release stress oh hold on shaking increases blood flow to the skin and it's a great way to release stress and diffuses the pent-up energy rising in you by stress and anxiety and overwhelm and by the way have you noticed how pets like cats and dogs and actually most animals they shake a lot after having have a like a moment of fear or a moment of tension or whatever they, they shake they know that instinctively and you know what it works for us too it works for humans you even can do it sitting at your desk <laughs> just like now i'm going to do this a few seconds and i'm shaking my head and i'm shaking my my arms and my hands and it feels so good and it's already relieving the tension in my shoulders because uh, I was a bit tense because I, I had my like my head you know uh, facing my laptop and <laughs> I started to look like a <laughs> like a pigeon with my head going forward so now having done this bit of stretching and shaking ah oh, felt so good um, after I left that job I I went hiking a few times per week and then I came back to France in the countryside and I began rowing. For me, it has been amazing spending time in nature, working out, like moving my body in nature and in water is like uh, so soothing, really, really soothing, relaxing and so yeah, movement, move, move, move. It's a great way to release stress. And this is even more important if you are a kinesthetic person, which means that the primary way you perceive information and that you also learn information, remember information is through movement or through the perception of body movements which means also involving like it's like involving being able to de detect changes in body position and movements because we all have uh, uh, one or several senses that are stronger than the others so if you if you notice that you you are you have you 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 uh, learn more by that like if you're more sensitive to the change within your body that's really important change of movement within your body i mean Okay, so that was for movement. After that, really useful is the sense of smell. Um, and smell is really great for emotions because smell, sense of smell relates to memory. Um, we often experience feelings of nostalgia when we encounter smells from the past. Um, you know like the smell of the like for me it's uh, the smell of freshly baked bread the smell that uh, when i was in france every morning leaving my home to go to school and then later go to go to school uh, <laughs> to go to work it was this uh, i could see you know in france especially in paris there are bakeries everywhere at every corner so wherever i would go I would be sure to go past, to walk past at least 
four or five bakeries. So, you know, the smell of freshly baked bread was everywhere in the street. And that's so comforting for me, that smell. It smells like home. It smells like what's familiar. And then immediately I can imagine and feel, imagine, remember myself buying this bread also warm and then putting a bit of butter on it and because the bread was hot the the, the butter was melting on it and then putting a piece of chocolate and mm, so amazing <laughs> so it also relates to the sense of uh, taste but yeah all that to say that smell engages our emotions so you can surround yourself by scents that are pleasant to you that you particularly love to lift your mood and create a sense of well-being and joy. It can also be useful to lift our energy. Um, or in, in reverse, if you need to calm down, you can use senses to calm, to, to relax. I like For me, I like in the evening to diffuse some lavender oil. And during the day, I, I mix it up, but I... Uh, especially love ylang ylang and bergamot. I love those smells. Another another thing is very simple is to use herbal herbs herbal scents. So you can drink herbal tea, um, for example. Not only they smell super good, but they're also healing for health. And it's not only about actually not only about herbal tea, also in cooking. You know, it's such joy to spend some time cooking and include herbs and spices. And this is definitely something because I know when I'm overwhelmed and burned out, I didn't have the energy to cook anymore. And also, I was in China, so it was so easy to so easy to eat outside. You know, food is quite cheap, restaurants are very cheap, very fast service, you can get delivered everywhere very fast. So, it, that, but then I kind of had lost this um, connection to my food by not cooking. And yeah, cooking again, for me, is really strong. It always helped me to recover, to rest, to feel serene, to feel better. Also, it's kind of a slow... I mean, you can cook fast, but, you know, if you take your time and you're really into the movement, it's... Uh, yeah, that's why cooking is great. It's because it, it connects to many senses at the same time. So you connect to your to, to your movement, you connect to your body, you also connect to the smells, to the taste, you touch the food, so it's also, it also has this texture side, and it's visual because of all these beautiful colors. Um so I would say if you're really tense, overwhelmed and burn out, cook. Spend time every day to cook a little bit or every week, at least every week. Get back to the kitchen and treat yourself. And then you eat the food and you can eat it slowly and it's nourishing. So it's like nourishing your senses and then nourishing your body nourishing your health. And this brings me to the sense of taste, the gustatory taste, which is essential to our survival because it enables the individual choice of correct food, which is crucial to one's existence. Um, so on top of eating, ugh, in addition to spending time in the kitchen preparing some meal, like 
cooking up a tasty and colorful meal i would recommend to eat slowly for me this was a big one very difficult i'm an impatient person and as i said before i tend to numb because i didn't know how to use my feelings and i wanted to get it over with and i was stressed so i wanted to eat fast and also it was delicious and i'm the kind of hungry person who gets angry when she's hungry so i would eat fast and i learned i took the time to eat slowly to be mindful to eat slowly and chew every bite and close my eyes and like i love chocolate so when i would have a piece of chocolate dark chocolate please 80 percent of cacao I would eat it slowly and just put a little bit in my mouth and then let it smell, uh, let it, let it, um, let it melt, let it melt on my tongue and then let it, um, let, let it uh, melt slowly inside my, my mouth and that's so pleasurable. <laughs> Getting curious about the different tastes. Um, also, I think it kind of increases creativity as well. Curiosity, we learn stuff and it can, it can be playful. And we learn more about ourselves, our taste and what it tastes like. How is it? Discovering new stuff. Um, because different, like the different tastes have different properties and they can affect us in different ways. So I... I I read some books on uh, Chinese medicine, but through food, through through nutrients, and I found it was very interesting. I didn't go too deep into it because it started to become overwhelming because I wanted to do it perfectly and try everything. <laughs> but if you can <laughs> limit yourself and do it one step at a time, if you feel called to do so, I would really recommend, uh, we would really invite you to... Um, to experiment. Uh, I think Ayurvedic as well, Ayurvedic uh, cuisine is uh, can be very healing. I haven't tried personally, uh, but I've been wanting to, so <laughs> maybe soon. And then there is the visual sense, our sense of sight. We human beings are very visual species. For me, it's my strongest one. Uh, I have a few others that are quite developed, but the strongest is the, the visual sense. Um, so that could look like sun gazing that activates energy like I was doing in the morning, watching the sunrise. Um, but you can also do moon gazing to relax or stargazing if you're lucky to live far from a big city center. Yeah, now that I'm in the countryside, I'm so happy because I realized I haven't really, I haven't really seen the the stars, the starry sky for really. It's oh, it's scary to think about this for the past 20, 20 years, twenty three years. I've been living in big cities, and I kind of lost touch. Yeah, of course I was going on holidays, so I did see it, but just you know a few times per year. And being able to spend more than a few days per year, being able to see the, the stars is um, an amazing feeling. If you're a sensitive and creative person, you're very likely to be sensitive to your environment. You know, some people, like I had an ex-boyfriend 
who didn't care at all. He told me I could live anywhere as long as I have a computer. And well, <laughs> it's not my case at all. I really need a space that looks good in order to feel good. For me, aesthetics is uh, is huge. Um, so for me, like a way to relax and to feel better and to soothe my nerves was to spend time taking care of my home, making sure I have some tokens, like some nice objects that I love, like a beautiful vase, some flowers, painting, artworks, um, beautiful cushions. I love cushions. It's comfy and cozy and pretty and so... Mm, it's like, you know, affordable luxury. <laughs> and... Um, also using colors because colors have different vibrations and according to what you want you can choose your colors to heal they, they affect us a lot more than we think um, uh, a beautiful a beautiful environment helps to soothe and to feel safe and supported and then of course you can also look at uh, like if you have a beautiful view from your window that's amazing and if you don't Take time to, like when you cross a park, take time to see it properly, to watch it. Just, you know, staring, <laughs> contemplating the beauty of nature. One thing I love is to <laughs> watch my cats. Sometimes I'm just sitting down, daydreaming, and I just watch them, watch my cats, and admire their <laughs> charm and their pure beauty, and I feel better. And speaking of of pets, of my of cats, I love stroking and cuddling my pets. It's very relaxing. Uh, touch, the sense of touch is super huge for me. Also, super developed. Um, it's actually an important sense for most humans because that's one of the first that we developed and used in in interaction with other human beings. Um, as babies, we used to be cuddled by our parents or by our caregivers in order to feel safe. So yes, I think the, the sense of touch is quite related to a feeling of safety. And the skin is the largest organ in the human body. So <laughs> I like to touch textures. Of course, I've incorporated into my part of my activity because I I've been doing textile art, so for me that's a kind of a given. Um, but you don't have to. You can just choose velvety, softy satin cushion, for example, if that's what feels good to you. Or your clothes, like if you wear I love cashmere in winter, and I <laughs> sometimes I just stroke my own arm to help me to help to feel safe, and it's soft and it's comforting. Uh, another way is to play with interesting textures like paint, play-doh, yarns, food. It's, uh, it reduces negative emotions and stimulates creativity and fun and increases emotional competence. That's amazing. Cuddle your pets? Yeah, for sure. Reduces stress, anxiety, depression... It's, it brings so much joy and unconditional love. I'm, I feel always like blessed when I see my cats and I'm like, thank God you are here because you really helped me to go through the burnout. Definitely. 
And finally, there is the sense of hearing, auditory perception. Um, well, I've always used this music, for sure. Like, music is super either energizing, either motivating, either kind of making me feel joy, uh, also relaxing. And um, sometimes I, I have to stop listening to music because if it's too melancholic, I get really melancholic. So when I was in my burnout, I just listened mainly to, um, not, uh, the, to nature sounds. I felt like the rest is too overstimulating me. Um, sounds of nature are very healing. If you can get out in nature, that's wonderful. And if not, you can still get the benefits by watching five minutes of a calming nature video or listening to a recording. The, the sense of hearing is super important um, to feel safe and for spatial orientation. And did you know that the ear continues to hear sounds even when we sleep? It's I, I had no idea. It's incredible. Uh, also, by the way, if you're really way too drained and too fatigued, I would say listen to silence. Spending time in silence is super important. We, we tend to because it can become it can become numbing, uh, numbing. Yeah, we can rely on he listening to stuff as a numbing mechanism, like listening to many podcasts or radio episodes or listening to music and everything. Yes, it's nice, but not too much, especially when drained, when fatigue, when burnt out. We need to limit the stimulation of our nervous system so it's the same like i would like what i what i found was helping was to reduce the amount of stimulating music stimulating sounds so i would spend time in silence or listen to nature sounds and also i did some sound healings sometimes also what i i, I loved i'm still doing but less often uh was listening to hypnosis i recorded my i had discovered hypnosis a while before my burnout but i started to use it more often when i was recovering from my burnout because it was really helping me to to relax and to send me into a deep um relaxation mode uh, because i listened to hypnosis with binaural beats and that helps and another very simple thing that I found when doing my nature walks uh, is singing and humming. Singing releases endorphins and it gets it gives us feelings of pleasure and it stimulates the release of oxytocin, a hormone that alleviates anxiety and stress. And humming is actually even easier because you don't need to focus on whatever you want to sing, you know. Just humming, especially as you walk, I think it's super, super, super relaxing. And also you can step it up a notch and scream, which is great to release heavy negative emotions. I especially love primal screams if you can find a spot in nature <laughs> away from people and just do a few primal screams. That would be my 
biggest challenge that I gave you this week. It's really, 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 really healing and relaxing. It helps to remove the tension. By doing this every day, you know, what I just shared, it's not like trying to do it all of it and do it perfectly every day. No, this is stuff I implemented step by step by step by step, day by day, every day a little bit more. But really it's this idea of tuning in to your senses, spending time in contemplation, daydreaming, mindful, you know, mindful of the connection, mind, body, taking the time to pause and observe and perceive. Our perception gives us indication. That's the, actually, that's where our inner wisdom is. It's, it has nothing to do with what other people say we're supposed to do. It has nothing to do with the should. Instead, it's everything about the energy in our body and the energy flowing without these constrictions, without these blocks. And really connecting to your senses is, to my opinion and to my experience, the biggest gift you can get. And it's accessible. You don't need to spend a fortune for that. You just need to remember, to remind yourself, <laughs> take the habit. Because when, we, when we, we are in burnout mode, it's like we are disconnected to ourselves. We don't have access to our inner wisdom. We don't have access to, to our talents, to our creativity, to, to our treasure, to our inner treasure. It's more like survival mode and trying to protect our, ourselves. And so I see the idea of you know, taking a break and pausing and reconnecting to your senses as a great way to learn to discover yourself again, yeah, to to get to to know yourself again, all over again. And there is this quote by um, Louis Bourgeois, the artist Louis Bourgeois, that I think is uh, very fitting this episode. She says, "Art is restoration. The idea is to repair the damages that are inflict inflicted in life." And I think that uh, connecting to our senses is an art, being able to appreciate this little instant, these little moments in life is an art. For me, this is art. And it develops our creativity tenfold. Connecting to your senses helps to awaken your creativity. And it helps, it's like a, a warm-up, creative warm-up to loosen up and let the creative juices flow to unblock the blocks <laughs> from ourselves and um, and for me art is a retranscription of what our senses perceive playing with textures colors taste and smell will activate all your senses which in turn will activate in you a soothing positive creative energy and that's how you can heal burnout that's how i healed my burnout and how I recovered from it and how I found alignment and more authenticity and I wish the same for you. If this has piqued your interest, I'd love to invite you to join me in a small group of like-minded souls for this very special retreat in beautiful Provence of five magical days to reignite your dormant dreams and desires while cultivating new and exciting possibilities. So I bet that during this retreat, the quiet, the exploration of your senses and of your voice, your unique voice, will help you to plant the seeds and to water 
this dream of yours, this beautiful thing that is within you that would benefit everyone around you. I'm back on a regenerative and joyful immersion in the magical beauty of Provence, soaking its colors, textures, scents, sounds and flavors, and form meaningful connections with people who get you. Particularly beautiful in June, with the various shades of greens of the Garrigue and the azure blue sky, the vibrant ochres of the Provencal Colorado is a natural paradise that invites your heart to soar. This amazing retreat will touch on all your senses and all aspects of your being, physical, emotional, mind, creative and soul. You'll walk the Ochre Canyons, listen to the sounds of wildlife, share laughter, give free rein to your creative expression and relax into rediscovering lost dreams and new possibilities as you celebrate and uncover the next chapter of your life. We will meet our inner wisdom through mindful and creative practices led by me and other local healers. There will be sketching, drawing, watercolor painting, wildlife, birdsong, reflexology, walks in nature, a cooking workshop and a herbalist walk. By the end of our five nights together, you'll be relaxed, re-inspired and ready to dive into the next chapter of your life with clarity and newfound confidence in yourself. Join us June 8th to 13th for this unique intimate retreat for sensitive and creative souls. Limited spots available. To register, go to rimcreativeenergy.com slash empowered-sensitive-creative-retreat-province And I know it's quite a long name, so I will put the link in the show notes for sure. You can just click, click on the link, it will be much easier. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if it has inspired you, please share it around you. Also, if you feel called to it, please subscribe to the podcast and leave me a review. It really helps to spread the word out. All your questions are welcome. You can send them to me on Instagram at rim.creativenergy.com or email me via my website rimcreativenergy.com and don't worry, I'll share in the show notes exactly where to find me. Until next time, sending you loving creative energy.